Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. This episode is sponsored by Swanson Health. Swanson Health is the only company to offer the full spectrum of wellness products for mind, body, and home. From quality vitamins and supplements to cruelty-free beauty items to eco-friendly home products, Swanson Health is here to keep you healthy. Swanson Health only supports products they're proud to use and give to their own families, backing everything by strict quality standards with the Swanson Quality Code. Swanson Health carries over 20,000 wellness products at a great value. And in fact, I got a chance to use several of the products from ones that I've already used like Burt's Bees Hand Cream to new ones like the Probiotics by Swanson Health. And I was so happy to use those products and they're, and they're great. So pick up all of your favorite health products, plus discover new ones for your wellness routine, all while leaving money in your pocket. If you want to try any of Swanson Health's great products for yourself, use code WORK20 for 20% off on Swanson.com. That's code WORK20 for 20% off on Swanson.com. Now on to the show. Hey, it's Brandon, and welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thank you so much for the download and for joining us. Today, uh, such a fun discussion. I, I was really happy to be able to release this episode. I had a conversation with Emily Elrod. She is the founder and president of Worksbee. And really, in this episode, we're talking all about creating cultures that empower people, how to create a safe space uh, for accountability and connection and trust um, and wellness, too. So uh, especially right now, people are stressed out. They're working in a weird environment, maybe at home, or maybe there's uh, different demands that they have on them if they're in the workplace. And you know, people are scared right now because of everything that's happening uh, in our nation or globally. Uh, so this is a really important conversation. We're just bringing it to the table. And I think you're really going to enjoy what Emily has to say about uh, creating a, a culture that's engaged, healthy, and happy. If you liked more about you know Emily and her, her content and her ideas, I actually appeared on her show. So if you like listening to me too and having me on the other side of the microphone, she interviewed me about... Uh, personal uh, time management and uh, personal finances and money. Those are two subjects I love talking about. They never really quite fit with this show, but it's something I, you know, I read a lot about and I practice a lot in my personal life. So I'll put a link in the show notes so you can hop on over and check that out. Um, There's actually a video version of that one. So you can go check that out, but thanks for the support. I hope everybody's doing well. If you feel like you need to connect to somebody, I'm always available. Please, uh, you know, connect to me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Uh, You can message me on those two platforms and I'll respond. Uh, Hope uh, everything goes well. I can't believe it's July already. Enjoy the episode. Take care. Emily, it's good to see you. You too. I appreciate it. 
Well, I am appreciative of you of inviting me to have such a great conversation with such an awesome person. Thank you. It's interesting times right now. I think you would agree with that. You particularly, you focus on creating safe spaces for accountability, connection, and you say life-changing results. Would you say any of those are lacking for most organizations and the employees within it at the moment right now? Unfortunately, I'd say all three. You can tell where the companies that are actually having a lot of those because whenever you have the connection, accountability is a second hand to it because you say you're going to do something and then you do it. It creates that connection and creates that trust. And in that aspect, if you continue with that, you do get results. But for the companies that are not doing any of them, I'm going to tell you the human connection is the number one thing that people need to be starting out right now. If you have not, you're already behind, unfortunately, because it is getting put to the forefront even more that people matter. The beauty of it is, is whenever you focus on people, results do come, profits do come from it as well. So we've seen that time and time again, especially in the wellness industry, there's been a good bit of research based on that as well. Accountability, connection, life-changing results is kind of what makes up our model for sustainability, but also to getting to the success because we want to see people thrive. The interesting point about, I think, most organizations, what they're going through right now with working remote all of a sudden, and maybe they weren't working remote, and all of a sudden, just one day, they're like, okay, you just got to stay at home. We got to somehow make this work. And the accountability piece is always something that probably comes up as a leader of an organization. You don't know exactly what your employees are doing. You can obviously set metrics and goals and all that and check in regularly. But I would say like the connection piece is probably the one that's glaringly obvious right now where video calls and Zoom calls are not enough. I mean, that's very apparent to me because I've made the shift just like everybody else. And it's not the same as being in person with somebody and just... I don't know. I feel like empathy and all those things transfer so much better when you're in person versus if you're just checking in regularly on a video call. It's just not the same. So what have you seen from a connection standpoint that has worked in this weird time that hopefully we don't have to ever go through again? For me, I am a physiologist, which means I'm really nerdy and really, really love the body. I come from a background where I design machinery. Then I switched to helping design and craft environments. One thing that we know is that oxytocin, which I thought the loving grandmother, is something that is needed, but it's what actually how we trust each other. And so for us, whenever we're talking to teams, organizations, or even one-on-one, how can you create this trust, which is actually how we connect? I think of it, the reason why I call it the loving grandmother is because people are typically connected to their grandmother. Their face lights up because it's like, this is this person I just love so much. And so that's the point is finding the connection through trust. If people have not found what is called the oxytocin releases, simple things, handwritten notes, oxytocin is secreted by touch, but it's also secreted by basically bonding. So would you say touch like a hug or something like that? High or five, like because we are in the corporate world or in the HR. So hugs may not be. I'm a hugger though. That's like, I imagine you probably are too. But, and I'm like, that is the one thing right now where I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I can't hug you through a video call. <laughs> I know, right? And that's the interesting thing coming from this and that I've talked about with organizations is a slow bringing people back for the connection aspect of it, because I am a hugger. Other people are not huggers. Understanding and self-awareness to already have that trust and that connection built so that whenever people do come back to it, you know who the people are that are like, this is scaring them to death. They don't want to be there. That's okay. Allow that. Because we also know that there's something called cortisol, which is the angry coworker of the body. And it is what stress. 
cortisol stress, and it shuts off our learning centers of our brain. Literally, if you're going to ask people that don't want to be there, that is scared to be there to come in, one, again, you're killing the connection, you're killing the trust and the oxytocin, but then you're literally having people that you're paying to do nothing because their brains cannot think. That's a really good point. They'd be disengaged at that point, right? They would be physically there <laughs> in mm-hmm. form, but their brain is saying, like, I don't even want to be here. Then it shows in productivity. Oh, and it does. And we've seen that time and time again. And Gallup has great research on that as well. But we know that whenever you do not create spaces that are safe, that you create spaces that are high stress. And that's typically where I fall is where people are really stressed at. Utility, manufacturing, corporate, and healthcare is typically where I'm at. And the thing is, is if you have people that can't think, you can't go to the creative side. Creativity is what sparks innovation. That is what made all these companies where they are. I've never seen a company that just started off of, oh, okay, I'm fair. I'm scared to death. Let's go do something. No, it's typically that they had this idea and they acted on it. That's what creativity does. And so again, Going back to the connection aspect of it. Connection is also, we know Google's research, psychological safety. And to put psychological safety in like a little quick wordage is that it's where you can go in and not get your head bit off. I would say, I'm not going to go into depth, but this morning, psychological safety, I got a picture from a work site where this guy was literally standing underneath a 350 ton crane. (gasps) Taking a phone call. What's the, why? Why? <laughs> See, that was my, that was every bit of my just, reaction. Just like, step to the side a little <laughs> bit. My thought process came after that was, this is the leader. And the leader is not aware enough. And then to the person taking the picture, why didn't you say anything? My other thought is that they may just be taking a picture of the crane and it may just perhaps. That- yeah, maybe it made for a good Instagram photo or something and they were yeah. a joke of it. But yeah, I see your point is that, like the, the person taking the photo should have been comfortable enough to be able to say, hey, boss, just step aside, still take your phone call, but just move. And see, and that's the beauty. Whenever you can have those conversations that you already have those connections that you're open enough that you can find and help with. This is just one little picture that was there, but I've seen it time and time again, whenever you allow for that conversation, you allow for that connection, you actually get the results that you want because you are bringing in people from frontline that are actually touching and doing the job and you're allowing them to come up with creative solutions that work for them. But for creativity, you can't have fear. It's interesting you bring up the fear part and just, I mean, you're talking about wellness from a holistic standpoint. I think that's the biggest flaw in a lot of wellness programs that organizations have. They're looking at one aspect of it. They may say, let's throw some money at a gym membership. Our people need to be healthy. Or let's bring in some fruits and vegetables and make people healthier as a result of that. You're looking at it from those points, but also safety in the workplace happiness, probably mindset, productivity, all those things. Going back a little bit, do you think the common programs or even HR departments that a small, medium-sized company would have, are they equipped to handle a moment like this where if you let it run its course, I'm sure employees are going to be miserable. Working from home in a crisis, probably feel disconnected. Do you think we're equipped for this? In essence, I will say yes. And this is the reason why, because I believe in humanity so much. In the aspect that... I joke, and it's not good business, but I wish that nobody ever had to hire me. Ah. But they do. And the reason why is because all I do is I create a space for conversation, a neutral ground for people to come together. And we do look at what is called wise principles. So we look at wellness. 
We look at intelligence, which is emotional intelligence, and then process improvement, safety, and empowerment. But just bringing people in and getting to know their ideas and sorting them out through a lens or a filter of values. And once you do that, it doesn't matter as long as you're looking at the human aspect of it. Because typically, I said this earlier to somebody that conflict and communication, everybody says communication is the biggest issue. It's not as expectations. We all have these different expectations. But if we can clearly come together and create a safe environment where we can have set expectations and be held accountable. So it's that trust. But Love it. Then you can actually implement these processes that will make people's lives better. You don't have to have a consultant. You don't have to pay all this money. You just got to listen to your people and think they're valuable. It's interesting you brought that up. I mean, there's a book I quote all the time that I thought was just so simple, but yet profound. There was a book called How to Say Anything to Anyone, basically about upfront creating agreements between people, setting goals and metrics that they need to hit. Because then the conversation downstream becomes a lot easier, right? Like It's like, hey, you said you would do this. You didn't do that. So what do we need to do to get there? Or say like, hey, I've got this feedback for you and I want to give it to you. But if you didn't have that agreement upfront, it's hard to do that. So like the connection piece, just goes out the window if you don't take care of those things up front at the beginning of the relationship or when you hire somebody or whatever it may be. So it's a really good point that you're making. In the engineering, I was the only female around. I was the only female that was in the textile industry that did what I did. Coming in, being the only female, I learned real quickly that it was never... And I'm in the South, so I'll give that. I will say not all men are like this, but I found they are more likely to run with it. And so I started that off and learned quickly because I used to get so offended. Like, I know what I'm talking about, but I'm like, okay, I don't need to get my intellectual. That's not the point. My point is to communicate what they want. And what they want is their idea. So whenever you create in spaces, and that's again, coming from the communication aspect, what do your people want? Instead of throwing things at them that they're never going to use. And then also asking them the question twice. It's really cool. I do a lot of feedback surveys and we'll ask one question and it's always the same. People want like a gym membership. They want to make sure they can eat healthier. But then you ask them again in a different verbiage. And it's basically people want to be less stressed, connected more and be more supported. And that's what people want. Every workplace is different. Everybody is unique. What I do for one company is never the same for another. We have a general work that we do, a guideline, I guess you would say. Yeah, a framework. But it's always different. And that's the beauty of it because humans are not predictable. You worked inside of a large, probably enterprise level organization. I don't know if it was a wellness department. How'd that go? I want to hear maybe the flaws of being a single shingle wellness consultant within an organization, what that's like. There's two faults to it. So I will tell you, I learned how to do a wellness program extremely wrong. I literally had people come up to me. I feel like I'm a likable person. Most people don't. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But they come up and literally cussed me out and told me how much they hated me. It was because what we did, and I believe it was wrong, is that fraud and poke method. We have cows and you're doing the same thing that we do to our cows. You're lining them up and you're basically getting their <laughs> their uh, vitals. Thanks, thanks for the visual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is what you do to Pete. And that's what a lot of wellnesses do. And For like, sure. Yeah. 
they're wasting their money because let's be reality with the ACA, you can actually go to your doctor. And the only thing is, is you're not getting their numbers. But we know if you go to your primary care doctor, you only have a 5% chance of going to the ER, which actually saves you money. But instead, because we're selfish as a company, we want to know the data to make sure that our people are where they need to be. Use your eyes. Like I think like the, the heart is probably in the right place. They probably want to use that data to say, okay, let's shape a wellness program around where the biggest issues are. But then the flaws, you neglect the other people who are fine in those areas. There's so much to it. But there the thing is. I found is, is stress. Yeah. That's the number one thing that's neglected in wellness. It's the number one thing that is neglected in safety. It's the number one thing that's just neglected in any human aspect is what you're doing. How is it affecting the people? We do a lot of things called frustration eliminations. It's kind of like think lean Six Sigma style. But instead of looking at waste, let's look at the human side of it and the frustrations. And that's where I have seen in my experience and the biggest frustrations I've had is that starting off, it was about how can we do things to people instead of for people? In that essence is where a lot of the failures come from because we want to make sure that they have these fruits and veggies. But one, if they are stressed out, they don't even care. The example of my life story, and I think I've told you about this before, that I was a single mom. Before that, I had my bachelor's degree. I found I was pregnant out of wedlock in the South. And so for that, in essence, is like the ultimate sin because everybody can see it. And the shame that I had actually led me to almost my child dying. I almost died. My contract. Because you're so stressed out? Yeah, because I was the shame and so stressed. Like, got it. My contractions was my liver swelling breaking my ribs. (sighs) I literally don't know what a contraction is, but I know what rib breaking is. And it's not fun. I had all the background and all the knowledge. I was eating right. I was doing the things I was supposed to. I was moving. I was exercising. But I was so stressed, it didn't matter. And it still about killed me. So if I'm somebody that looks back and I'm doing the right things physically, but I'm not, how are other people? And I didn't even care. Like I knew it because I'd done it a habit so long, but it still didn't work effectively. So that's the reason why I think stress is the number one thing and gratitude and doing mindfulness practices and setting yourself up. The challenge I've always come back to with stress is that there's only so much an employer can do. They want their employees to be happy, healthy, productive, all those things. I mean, that they ends up in they'll be more profitable, probably more functioning organization, more connected. But there's so much that they can't control. Like there's things that happen in your life as an individual that stress you out. My kids are stressing me out right now. Before we hopped on this podcast, they're fighting. It's crazy. And that alone stresses me. Everybody's got their own set of issues that they bring to work. I'm just trying to think of like, how do you you as an employer provide enough resources so that way employees feel like they can manage their stress in a way that that helps them but also like there's some accountability on the employee side to manage that too I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm asking it. It's just, I feel like there's kind of a shared responsibility because on one side, corporations want more productivity. They want you to show up, bring your whole self to work, but also, you know, not have that stress deal with the impact, the negative sides of productivity. And then employee needs to deal with it as well. They need to have the tools to be able to do it. What do you think? The thing that comes to me first is something I actually had the conversation with somebody yesterday and they quoted that you're only as good as your saddest child. I was like, wow, that really hits, especially as a mother, because I was talking about whenever my family life is really in turmoil, how it can impact my work life and knowing for me that it's very important to be very foundational, very structured on 
that's me as a person, not me as if I was somebody that is an employee. That's my personal aspect of it. So I think it's a twofold of it. It's one, information is not always power. I say information can lead to inspiration that can lead to transformation. There's a twofold that just comes with that. Stress is something that we need to be able to have conversations about. You can give all the tools and resources, but if people aren't going to do anything with them, so you're wasting your money and then you're kind of like just wrapping yourself. So I'm big on crafting environments that allow for the best success. I love that. What's an ideal environment? It's the four biochemicals that we talk about that actually kind of came up with the wise principles around. So safety, psychological safety, it's called the safety cop. So that you can listen to your gut because actually it's serotonin. It's actually 90% of it's in your gut. So whenever you have a gut reaction, like seeing somebody stand underneath a 350. Yeah, (laughs) that's a no, no. You're like, oh, I need to say something about it. So where psychological safety is there, where recognition is a part of it. But what we say, recognition is dopamine. And so dopamine is what you get in this Hollywood love. It's just kind of like this little hit that you get just to say, oh, you know, but true love is actually oxytocin. It's that part of that trust. So you have to have the safety. You got to have the reward. You got to have the trust. And then you got to do something with your angry coworkers. You got to address them. That is the stress. That's the cortisol. Finding ways that environments where people, in essence, can be less stressed. They can be supported more. And if resources are there, find them and give them to them. We know EAPs are only used at 5%. Don't put a lot of EAP. We know gyms, 20% is how a lot of people have like, they'll put gyms in businesses. Only 20% of the people actually use it. I was reading a book last night on, I cannot remember the title of it, something about habits. And it was saying that if you have a gym membership, if it's 3.7 miles away from your home or more, you go maybe once a month versus if it's closer to you. So under three miles you're likely to go at least five times in a month. Having one inside of an organization would probably help quite a bit. But the thing is, is they got to have the policies. One sad but cool thing, I've seen where companies will go to unlimited pay time off. I'm not a fan of that. Here's the thing. People don't use it because... People don't use it. Yeah, because now it's like, oh, you went three, four, five weeks? Whoa. And so now it's not creating these spaces where and in that people are like promoted to actually, hey, take care of yourself. One, do the people around you know that you are even in this turmoil? We say to be hot, which is humble, open and transparent. Do you have the ability to be hot in your spaces that you can have these conversations and ask these curious questions? Bob Chapman's a great one. You've seen his success. He has a book called Everybody Matters. The focus of it is that literally everyone matters. Everybody is a person and it's that people focus. So if you can do that, if you can focus on your people, creating an environment that their bodies are crafted to be and thrive in, then you have that space. You'll have that success. The one of the things that I think about a lot, and I was going to ask you about it too, is like if employees are disengaged, they're burned out, they're stressed out, you know, whatever those buzzwords are, but they sense something's wrong. What's the action to take? Seems to me that they should lead by example first in a way. They can't project something on their employees that they desire, but they should be living a healthy and de stressed life first before they can even take any action. What's your sense on that? Well, we talk a lot about leadership and I go in and speak with leaders. Leaders, because the aspect is, is if they can't lead themselves first, it's going to be very difficult for them to lead others. 
aspect too, is that you can't love others if you don't love yourself first, <laughs> but it's not going to be given at the respect and level that it needs to. So you can fake it, but you're eventually going to have to make it a priority. Some things that I've seen is with leaders is that they will just not be that hot, not be that humble, open and transparent. There is this stoicness that they kind of have with themselves because they can't look anything above a leader level. And so it's this mentality. So who cares for them? Who can care for the caregivers? Who can care for the leaders? And sadly, that's where a lot of the depression and anxieties come in. It's important. Just yeah. say it at the minimum. It is it extremely important for people to care for themselves first. If HR leaders in particular are listening to this podcast, and they're like, yes, gosh, I mean, we've sensed this is an issue for a long time. I don't even know where to begin or we have a budget for something like this, but I don't even know where to dedicate resources to. What's a good first step? When you hear from people reaching out to you, what's usually that breaking point? And where do you advise them to invest in? For me, we actually have a five-part series. But the first one is just like implementation. What it is, is in that implementation and the initiation phase is that get to know people. Because what you're going to do is you don't know where to direct your resources if you don't know your people. In essence, ask the curious questions. And what we say is don't find people that are like-minded. And this is where I see too many times where it's a failure is we see people that are like-minded and we go to them instead of like-hearted. Because we want people that are like-hearted that will tell us, no, that's dumb. You don't need to do that. It's not going to work because you haven't talked to your people. If you get an email from me, it always says the kiss of death is to be the genius with 10,000 helpers. Instead, be the genius with 10,000 geniuses. See that everybody has value and start out by asking and getting your group of geniuses that you know that have influence. They may not have a title, but they have influence and ask them. Start small. And then from there, you guys can typically figure it out. One cool thing that I also know is behavioral science. I can get nerdy on and I'm not. Oh, same here. Yeah. This one thing is that you got to understand that all teams are typically made up of four type of people. There's people that see problems. There's people that talk about problems. There's people that think about problems. And there's people that do things about problems. You got to make sure that you have a team that has all four people. Because if you don't, you won't be able to execute the way that you would like. And it also helps whenever you have thinkers think about it, but they don't know how to communicate it well. I see that a lot with engineers that I work with. And then it's making sure that what you communicate is the clear expectations of everybody. Taking that part of that genius that is that talker and using their abilities and their strengths to make sure that we have a full encompassing team that can get stuff done. Because that's what we want. We don't hire people just for sustainability. It just doesn't happen. I remember one in a previous work, they paid unintelligent money, in my opinion, to this group to come in and do an HR audit. They came in and they listened to everybody. They got everybody's opinion. They had a to-do list with it, with what, what we we're going to do. But the leader of it all was not a doer. He was a thinker. And because he was a thinker, nothing got done. So this is the worst thing that you can do. Get feedback from your people. They're open and honest with you and do nothing about it. It's like a and slap in the face. too. It is. It is. It's like they don't listen to me. They don't care. So why am I going to spend my time again telling you what you should have heard in the first place? Yeah, it's a good point. Well, Emily, thank you for coming on the podcast. Tell people a little bit about your organization, what you're doing and point people to wherever you want to point them to. I think they get a lot of value from that. Thank you so much. For me, I help with companies that are stressed out right now. Or if you need help in addition to bringing your group back together in a effective way. Again, like I said earlier, 
I would love for you to hire me, but I think you can do this on your own. <laughs> but if you can't, <laughs> I can be a neutral source. But we help companies find wise work so that they can work wise. And the company is called WorkSpeed. It's W-O-R-K-Z-B-E. And the reason we named that is because a lot of companies have human workers. Instead, we want them to be human beings because human beings are the only creatures on this planet that can be creative and thrive and use their full brains to create futures. But in that space of being a human being, most people want to work. It's called purpose. That's what we do. We help companies find ways and craft environments so that their people can show up up, collaborate, contribute, and get things done. Emily, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. It's been a blessing. Thank you so much. 